Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and today we have veteran actor with us, Joseph Reitman, who is appearing in Netflix's latest series, First Kill. Now, I saw that look, Joseph. Veteran does not mean old. It means I, experienced. <laughs> I, I appreciate you saying that. I will say this. I, I went into a store today and I got my first senior discount <laughs> in my life without asking for it. The guy just gave it to me and that made me feel on top of it a little bit, a little bit older than I, I actually am. I'm Maybe. with you. I'm celebrating yeah. my 48th birthday here in a couple of weeks. So, man, I'll tell you. But like we said, Joseph is uh, appearing co-starring in first kill it's on netflix it premiered last month june 10th to be exact uh he plays it's a vampire show for anybody who hasn't heard of it or seen it yet it's a vampire show uh joseph plays clayton cook uh a vampire killer but uh, sort of a rebellious vampire killer and we're gonna get into that a little bit more uh first off let's you know when the character clayton cook was described to you how was he described to you uh, i mean well the, the show is about like monster hunters and a family of vampires so it's a he's you know he's part of this group called the guild which is a, a group of monster hunters and uh the original breakdown was basically a uh, clayton cook is a is a uh, wisecracking elder statesman of the guild who definitely doesn't take any crap it's basically what it boiled down to mm -hmm. and uh yeah, it came my way, and you know, that was basically all the description that I got. So, uh, when you went in for the audition, what kind of, you know, what did they have you read? Did you, I mean, did you have any more information by the time you got to the audition? How did that all play out? Well, it's it's interesting. I'm actually friends with uh, Felicia Henderson, who's the showrunner, because I I appeared on The Punisher, which was a show she yep. was an executive producer on, and. Uh, I was actually brought on board for the show um, as an acting coach to work with some of the young actors in the show because there's a lot of yeah. young kids because it takes place in high school and you know there's a lot of stuff like that going on. So um, and she had seen me work with she'd come to my acting class in Los Angeles and had seen me work with some of my actors uh, and she came as a guest. So when I was off of that job, um, the conversation eventually came up about Clayton Cook and mm -hmm. uh, whether or not I'd be a good fit for the role. So I had a lot of information on the show because of that and uh yeah so it helped it helped it all worked out it all worked oh, it out it now did. first kill is based on a short story did you familiarize yourself with the short story either before or after you booked the role it's a really good question uh i did not uh <laughs> that's uh but i appreciate you saying that I, I knew that victoria had written it but what's funny is like i had met her and discussed it, you know, I discussed actually the show because she was there from the beginning when we were filming. So, and I was already there as well. Um, and I had really familiarized myself more so with uh, the Bible of the show and what, what they were planning on do for the season. Cause uh, the short story is like a slice of it, but there was right. so much more to explore because it's a series. So my big concern was really knowing what everything and uh, the, the history of the vampires, understanding what, the rules were for this universe and exploring that was much more important to me than anything else. Now, when you take a short story and you make uh, a, a series or even a movie, but a series in particular, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be filled in by the writers to actually make it a series. Right. Um, what do you think of the writing so far? what do you think of the writing as you were getting the scripts on how they were expanding the story? 
Uh, well, it's always surprising. I mean, to see what uh, a writer does when they build the universe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Felicia is really interesting. She doesn't like to give actors more material than what is coming their way, unless it is pertaining to like their history. So she wants actors to be surprised as they get the scripts. Um, but as you get them, you know, you start seeing how other characters are being added, how the families are being kind of expanded. And that's kind of, uh, tells you a lot about individuals is how they respond to other people. So oh, yeah. I take information by watching an individual and hearing how they kind of like, uh, how they react to different characters. And that helps me shape an entire character for myself. But, you know, it, for a show like this, there was a lot of territory to cover. And also you have to like leave it open-ended as well at the end, because you want it to go on for 12 another years. season. Yeah. Now for people who are, Thinking about checking this show out, and they're like, great, another vampire show. In your words, describe First Kill, describe what's different from other vamp, from what differs it from other vampire shows, and what makes it so appealing, and its audience keeps growing as each with each passing day. Well, I think, I, I think, like, obviously... Uh, Vampire shows will always be around as they've always have been around. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to change at all. Um, the Romeo and Juliet story in this story, or more of a Juliet and Juliet story is really the, the twist, right? Yeah. Cause it's really two girls, a, a, vamp- a girl who's a vampire and uh, she falls in love with a monster hunter who's moved to town. Um, obviously, you know, uh, there's a lot of mixed ethnicities in this show to make sure that there's uh, everyone is covered, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, obviously the big, twi- the big, change for this is the lgbtq plus kind of like angle that they've really focused on and be authentic on so i I think that's really kind of really what i'd say from the fans that i've heard from Mm -hmm. is the thing that's really rung true and kind of like struck a chord with a group of people absolutely and i completely agree with with that interpretation of it now you have uh quite a few scenes when we first meet you with uh imani uh who you know, who plays part of the vampire killing family. And it is sort of like a Romeo Juliet working with these young actors. Uh, you said you were brought on as a coach. How do you deal uh, working with new actors and them? Do you take on the role? Do you take on the responsibility on your own of sort of a mentor? Uh, yes. I mean, in, in some ways, I mean, you know, everybody is different. Some of the actors uh, really want to dive into material. Other actors want to do it on their own. Um, my job isn't to tell them that they have to work with me or they don't, you know? Uh, and honestly, as the acting coach, I'm not the director of the show. So it's like, you know, I don't have final say. My biggest thing is if actors come to me and they go, what do you think about the scene? Or do you think what this history is? A lot of the time I would go to Felicia and help her get some information. Instead of them having to go to her, gather information to bring to the actors. And more than anything else, when actors have questions, they're like, you know, I'm curious about the scene. I'm not sure how to approach it. Just walk them through really a bunch of questions mm-hmm. to ask themselves about developing the role. Cause it's uh, it's not my role to play. Yeah. So, you know, I sit there and I ask people, you know, well, you know, where do you think you came from or what's your opinion on this? Or how do you think, do you think you'd be aggressive or passive in this situation? Which road would you take? And by asking those questions, I just help actors kind of make their own choices instead of me making them. That sounds, that sounds pretty good. Now, uh, when you got Clayton, when you got the role, how did you make him your own? Do, do you have any style when it comes to any role? Let's talk about Clayton in particular. How do you make a role your own? Um, it's interesting. 
in some ways the role was originally seemed a little more militant and it seemed that way and i am not a militant kind of guy um uh so when i took a look at it my first approach was he's part of this guild but he also is more of like a delta force kind of guy he's yeah. much more rebellious and doesn't take uh you know crap from anybody so when i approach somebody like that and he does have a lot of wisecracking moments and he gets in people's faces he's a hothead uh and i start building a history for a character and for me uh even though there wasn't a huge history on the page for clayton i started approaching the from the idea of like well what brought him to the guild uh what kind of what kind of like response is he having and why is he here uh we knew that the guild approaches people who have had issues in the past or deaths in their family due to monsters. So I create a backstory about why they would have approached me. Um, because of his attitude, I also kind of like started thinking about why would he still be frustrated and angry? Yeah. And uh, where does that come from? And uh, and being the age that I am, as we discussed already, uh, <laughs> why it'd be towards the end of his career of being in the field of being a vampire hunter? And how does he feel about being probably put out to pasture soon? And those are the kind of angles that I approach. And by taking those elements and feeling like there's a clock, uh, a clock ticking for how much time I have in the field, uh, my emotional context about where I haven't actually gotten to yet and haven't had find solutions for whatever pain and suffering I'm having and also the context of why I'm here now. That's really where I start with a character. Like this. Would you say Clayton sort of wears his emotions on his, you know, outer skin or see a multi-layered character? Um, I think he isn't really good at controlling his emotions. Yeah. Uh, and I would have to say like, that's um, part of, uh, his Achilles heel. And that's what also what I approach. I always approach something trying to find what somebody's weakness as well, you know, and, uh, and definitely part of his Achilles heel is the fact that he is not really great at controlling his emotions. That's, that's apparent. That's very apparent from when we first meet him on the show. Uh, now he's sort of like an antagonist, like we talked about within the vampire killing group. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is his driving force? You talked about him, coming towards the end, being put out to pasture. Do you think that's all it is? Or do you think there's something more driving him to be a little bit more antagonistic? Well, if we're going to talk about like the, the history that I created, that wasn't on yeah. the page. Uh, I, I created a backstory where his, his wife, when they were much younger, 20 years ago, had been killed by monsters. He'd been approached by the guild and, uh, and he wanted revenge. And for 20 years, he's been looking for revenge through these many killings that he's had as a vampire hunter um, and a monster hunter. And even though he's had a bunch of kills, he has not found peace in his soul and feeling like he's at the end where they've kind of let him know that there's only so much longer. He's going to be in the field either as a hunter or as somebody who's an advisor. He's probably going to be chained to a desk and still hasn't found any sort of peace in himself. That's a lot where the anger comes from realizing that he can't find it by killing more monsters. How critical, and I've asked this question to a lot of different actors, and a backstory is very important to almost every actor I've spoken to. When it comes to your craft, how important is the backstory for you? It's it's everything. Uh, you know, no one's world starts when they walk onto the screen when you see them for the first time, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they've had an entire life, you know? In, in Clayton's case, you know, he's had 50 years of life behind him already, and I have to decide what that childhood's like, uh, what caused him to go down this path and what led him to this day every day that I'm on set. So without those decisions being made, you have a very flat and two-dimensional character. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to like work and really think about 
all of the layers or you're going to be dealing with a two-dimensional thing instead of a three-dimensional thing yeah i agree with that now uh playing role you you've been lucky throughout your career where you haven't sort of uh, been pigeonholed into playing a, a particular type of character you've gotten to play a pretty wide spectrum of characters throughout your career when you're booked when you're cast to play a bad guy do you feel like that gives you a little bit more artistic freedom to sort of play around with the role as opposed to the uh, the hero, the, the you know, in, in the story, who has to sort of walk that line and, and not really deviate? That's a, real, that's a really good question, too. Uh, you know, here's the thing is I feel like when I play heroes, they need to be detailed, but it's also just as important to figure out Indiana Jones needs to be scared of snakes or you have a problem, yeah. you know? Uh, uh, Dorothy has to hate Kansas or you have a problem. You know, you don't have a story. So even as a hero, you have to figure out what is the journey that you're going to have. It does tend to be more traditional as a hero in a lot of senses. Or if I am somebody who is helping the hero go along, if I'm playing the cowardly lion in the script or somewhere, <laughs> I have to realize what that means for me too. But when I play villains, um, the beauty of playing villains, and part of the reason why I love playing them so much, is that uh, you are able to dive into the psyche of somebody who is not a good person. Yeah. And, uh, and you're able to really figure out something, especially if I get the whole script and I'm able to see what the hero is, I can figure out how I can, uh, I try to build a mountain for the hero that I'm fighting if I'm playing a villain. The same way that, you know, Drago for Rocky was that villain, yes. you know? And, he, and you have to build, the bigger the mountain that you build that the hero has to climb, the better villain you are. Nobody wants to watch somebody climb an anthill. They want to watch them climb a mountain. And that's what you have to create. And that's why it gets so exciting is to create a path that you know that's difficult for them to like ascend to. That's beautifully described. Now, the show takes place in Savannah, Georgia. Georgia's a big filming hotspot. Uh, did you, do you guys actually shoot in Savannah as well? We, we actually shot in Atlanta mm. uh, for the whole shoot, except for uh, they did a bunch of exteriors and they did about four days of shooting, I think it was, in Savannah total. Now, Netflix hasn't officially green, you know, green-lighted a second season, but the way the show is picking up momentum, it sort of looks like it will get picked up again. Uh, are you, I mean, w tell us your interest in picking up the role again of Clayton and moving him into a second season. Well, I mean, we'll see, we'll see if that's possible or not. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, more than anything else, I, I hope for success for all the people on the show and for Felicia. And I hope that there's a second season uh, just so they get to continue doing what they're doing and the fans get to continue that I've seen uh, to enjoy the show. And I just think that's really what we're dealing with here is kind of like, you know, I hope that everyone gets to keep enjoying it because I think it's just going to get better if it gets to go another season. You think there's a lot more to learn about Clayton if it does go into a second season? I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> you never know it could be a real never surprise know. so anything's possible once there's a witch on the show anything's possible so you know they brought a witch in about episode six or seven when that happens you never know what the result's going to be for another season you have no idea uh in the time that we have left let's just talk a little bit about your career like i said you've had a marvelous career an extensive resume Going back into the early 90s, you've appeared back in... to the 1850s, I think. If you take a look, <laughs> I performed up in the in the Borscht Belt for a while up there, you know, in the vaudeville days. No, yeah, you've <laughs> been in some like classic movies, television shows like Married with Children. If when you look back in your career, what would you say was uh, your biggest break? 
Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, if you're talking about everyone remembers their first break. So yeah. like Mary and Mary with children, I had Christina Applegate's picture on my wall in college. So it was one of those things where, you know, and you got to play I her boyfriend. My, yeah. And I told my friends I could play her boyfriend. That's what I would say in college when we watched the show. So the fact having um, fantasy become reality was a really mind boggling thing. I that can was imagine. Yeah, that was massive. Uh, and my first film that I ever did was Clueless, which also mm -hmm. dream come true. And, you know, Amy saw me in a showcase, Amy Heckerling, the director, uh, saw me in a showcase in Los Angeles and was kind enough to bring me onto that film, which was amazing. Um, those two moments for me were massive. But, you know, there's a few other ones and I can list a couple, you know, uh, The Perfect Storm to me was a chance to go back to Massachusetts where I grew up. And that was like a dream come true. And it, my first big film that I really was like, blown away that an opportunity to do townies was a sitcom yeah and all i ever wanted to be was on a sitcom my entire life when i was a kid and then all of a sudden i had a dressing room i mean yeah. you know they're weird there were milestones and uh and they're not done yet and i still have milestones that i want to oh cross. yeah you know but but the fact that you know almost every job not every job but many jobs let me kind of explore a new thing when I, when I did happy it was a chance to really kind of like dive into a Santa Claus character that they gave me free reign to kind of do whatever I wanted to do and and that was the first time I was ever just given that much time to develop a character and it was that was a blessing so you know there's so many so many things I could say that kind of like really made me make me happy to do this every time and every job is another journey that I get to go on so it's great as your career progresses uh you know you mentioned coaching actors do, are, is your interest to stay in front of the camera? Do you have other interests, maybe going behind the camera, some writing, directing, producing, or is it, are you perfectly content to stay in front of the camera for as long as you can? Um, I, I'm hoping to be able to nap a lot <laughs> this year, but uh, other than that, uh, the thing is I do write, I have a script that I really want to direct this year. Uh, now that you mentioned that, yes, there's a feature that I've been working on. I have a writing group that I go to with, uh, go with uh, every week too, and work with a bunch of wonderful writers. And uh, and I'm hoping to direct that film. Um, I think most people who know me think that I I really do enjoy teaching more than anything that I do. It makes me the happiest. Uh, it, it is something that uh, brings me joy every day when I get to do it. Um, but I just directed uh, something in New York. Um, and, uh, I, and I'm just hoping to continue doing a little bit of everything because at the end of the day, uh, the beauty of this job is no two jobs are exactly the same. Yeah. So, and you, we could tell just by listening to you talk, you love the craft, you love the business, and you put everything on the table 100%. Whatever job it is, you put everything on the line. And I think that's what makes you so great. I want to thank right. you so much for coming on here and sharing with us uh some of your experiences again guys the show is called first kill it is available now on netflix joseph reitman here plays a vampire killer and not just your ordinary vampire killer a vampire killer with a little chip on his shoulder so check it out you won't be disappointed it's a great show you have any final thoughts you want to share joe before we go I'm just grateful that you were willing to spend some time with me and uh, talk to me about something that I love. So thank oh, you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to our audience who tuned in live and those of you who will be watching later on. On behalf of Joseph Reitman and myself, stay safe and stay walking. Good night, everybody.